I'm Bridie Reed from World Vegan Travel, and I'm with SoFlo Vegans. Welcome to the SoFlo Vegans Podcast. We bring you vegan experts from around the world to talk about health, the environment, animal advocacy, and spreading compassion. It's our passion to help you navigate the vegan lifestyle by listening to the experiences of vegan influencers, doctors, and experts. Thanks for listening. This is the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. And now your host, Sean Russell. Hey everybody, welcome to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Russell, and today we have... Bridie Reed from World Vegan Travel on the episode. And we're excited because we're going to be doing a lot of world vegan traveling in the next couple of weeks and months. So this is a perfect time to have a conversation with a seasoned pro. So thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me here. All right. And the first thing that we do, if you're a listener to the podcast, longtime listener, we have our vegan origin story. And the reason that we have this segment is that if you are pre-vegan or you're a vegan and you want to know how other people kind of did it, you know, it was like, show me the blueprint, show me the blueprint. You can listen to the first parts of our episodes as well as our brand new podcast, the pre-vegan pro the pre-vegans podcast, where we have a lot of those snippets as well as other tidbits that can help you along your journey. So with all of that mouthful being thrown at you guys, what is your vegan origin story? Sure. Thank you for asking. It's always nice to talk about this because it's usually such an impactful moment for people when they decide to go vegan. So mine was way back in 2009. I was actually living in Vietnam at the time. And I had been vegetarian for many, many years before that for the animals. But, and I kind of knew a little bit about veganism. And my, my partner, he gave me an iPhone, which was like the first iPhone, I think it was way back then as a gift. And I stumbled across these things called podcasts. And, you know, I guess you could say I was a fairly early adopter with podcasts and there weren't that many to choose from back then. And I stumbled across this web um, podcast that at the time was called Vegetarian Food for Thought. It, it was a vegan podcast, but at that time, vegan wasn't so well known and people sort of had a lot of negative feelings. So I guess that was the reason why the podcaster named it Vegetarian Food for Thought. And I started listening. Then this podcast it continues to be hosted by Colleen Patrick Goudreau. And she talked a lot about why dairy products and eggs were also not good for animals at all. What would that we you know, had to kill chickens and cows in order to get these products as well, which really was a huge shock to me. So I became vegan pretty much straight away. And my partner became vegan about six months and after I did. And so it's really nice that we do it together. 
and it's it's just been a really wonderful journey and it's just so funny because Colleen Patrick Goudreau the person that inspired me to go vegan all of those years ago is now one of my closest friends and we actually collaborate on our trips together as well so it's a little bit of a full circle kind of thing but yeah, becoming vegan was great. I did it in Vietnam and it was totally doable for me. I took to it with gusto and it just became a, a big part of my life and brought me so much joy. And and that ties perfectly into, you know, what you're doing right now. One of the things that you're doing right now with the vegan world travel and there's just so much out there to see in the world. And it's great that you have a service like this. How did that get started? You know, you went sure. vegan and take us to that bridge. Yeah. So I do have a bit of a background in travel in the, I'd always really enjoyed travel ever since my mum told me about her incredible trips through Eastern Europe and Russia in the 1960s. It just sounded so exciting and interesting. And I did a lot of travel. And then when I came back to Australia, which was where I was living at the time, a friend of mine gave me an advertisement in the newspaper for a tour leader for a travel company. It's a company called Intrepid. And I got a job with them and I worked as a tour leader for them for about five years. And of course, this was a really interesting, wonderful experience. And my partner, he also, we actually met in Morocco. He was a tour leader as well. So, and he's done some incredible trips as well, including 18 months travel through Asia. He also works in logistics and TV logistics and TV production as well. So if anyone knows anything about TV production for movies or TV shows, they will know that there is a huge amount about logistics and timings and organizations and itineraries and budgets and all of these kinds of things. So we were actually with Colleen Patrick Drow and her husband because we became good friends with them. We started traveling with them. We did some really incredible trips. And over a glass of wine, Seb suggested, look, why don't you see if your, if your audience would like to come to Thailand on a trip? We'll put one together and we'll see if there's some interest out there. And that's what he did. He put a trip together and both he and I led the trip. And of course, Colleen and our husband came too. And it really was just so much fun. So that's really how it came to pass. And here we are just a few years later uh, running World Vegan Travel. Um, so that's fascinating because right now people are itching to get back out there. You know, we've, we, there was a blip in time. We'll just call it that. Where, where now we're out of it and people are looking to see places, especially knowing that it could be taken away from them through restrictions and what have you. So have you noticed, first of all, when did you create, you might've mentioned this, but when did you create it and had, did, it, did this blip affect you and how does it look now that I'm sure people are wanting to travel again? Sure thing. So we ran our first trip in 2017 to Thailand and we did another one to Vietnam in 2018 and uh, France in 2018. And we did 
some trips to Rwanda in 2019 and also two trips back to France. And of course, then the pandemic started. And of course, that was a huge impact for us. We had to postpone several of our trips. And, you know, we have such incredible travelers. They were all so understanding of this really difficult time. And, you know, most people were okay to postpone. They were able to postpone. So that was really good. And we ran our first post-pandemic trip in October 2021. That was to Tuscany, Italy. And we, uh, it was very, very unfortunate. We were supposed to go to South Africa and Botswana in December 2021 as well. But of course, Omicron happened and that trip has been postponed, sadly. But we are really starting to feel very, very positive about things now. Um, I won't go into it huge amount because it's, you know, we've all talked about this so much. But I, what I can say is that we're really seeing that countries are really opening up. They really seem to be in a place of like, okay, we've got all of the tools that we have in place to open up safely and do all of these things. And in actual fact, Seb and I heading over to Italy towards the end of this month to run two trips, one to Tuscany and another one to Northern Italy. And we're seeing increase in bookings and interest. And they're just really, it really feels different, uh, both from the government's uh, restrictions, allowing people in and the requirements needed there, you know, whether you need to quarantine, whether you need to be vaccinated, whether you need to be tested, all of these are dropping now. There's a really great website that I encourage everyone to check out called joinsherpa.com that explains all of this all in one place. And we're really finding that people are starting to feel a little bit more confident and starting to book on trips. So yeah, we're, we're feeling like this period is coming to an end. And with that, I'm sure a lot of activists out there are looking for ways to kind of grow in their activism and their outreach. Is there any way that traveling could play a role in that? Sure. I think so. I think so. It's it's my opinion that, that it is. So we do have some activists, whether they're just people that volunteer or whether people who work in animal protection. We do have quite a few of those people come on our trips. You don't have to do that to come on our trips. Uh, but I think everyone, every vegan is, is an activist in some small part, even if it's just, you know, going to the lunchroom and having your vegan lunch and eating it in front of your co-workers, for example, you know, we're also all doing activism to some sort of degree. And I think something really magical happens when you take people out of their normal routine, normal place and put them in a new, beautiful, exciting place with like-minded people and, you know, many of our travelers don't know a single vegan. They're not friends with another vegan. And here they are with a group of people that they feel sometimes for the first time that they can actually be themselves, that they can actually uh, express their feelings about certain things rather than feeling like they have to monitor themselves. So, you know, to go through this experience for seven days, 10 days, you know, it just 
sets you up for when you go back home to your normal everyday life, to your regular activism, to your regular job, and just gives you so much energy. I always find when I go on a really good holiday, whether it's a specifically vegan holiday or not, I just feel so rejuvenated and re-energized. And I think that's what happens for our travelers as well. And, you know, you can also learn a lot of stuff too. For example, when our travelers came with us to Vietnam, we went to visit the Moon Bear Sanctuary, Animals Asia Sanctuary in the north of Vietnam. And not only did we get to see these incredible animals that had been rescued from such terrible conditions, but we were also really well educated as well on this topic so that we can talk further about it. And we've even had some of our travelers who have decided to go home and do some sort of fundraising for themselves. For example, one time we were in Rwanda and we visited Akagera National Park and they do have a dog protect dog program, I guess you would call it. And these dogs are trained, they're working dogs. So I know a lot of vegans will have a lot of mixed feelings about this, but they're working dogs and they help to protect the rhinos from poachers. You know, they're very good at tracking, for example. And this traveler, she decided that these dogs needed much more comfortable beds. So she went and she fundraised and she created these, um, she managed to organize and get these beds sent to um, Akagera National Park. So now these dogs are much more comfortable in their jobs. (laughs) (laughs) And I would love to take a moment. I actually have the website up here to just go through. Normally, I usually save this stuff for the end, but I feel like a big part of this conversation is the experience and what people can look forward to seeing. So um, I'm going to pull up one of your pages. And if you're listening to this, we'll do our best to describe what's being shown on the screen. But yeah, I want us to talk about some of these experiences and you know, what it could look like if someone were decided to go ahead and join you. So for example, I'm on there right now. I'm sharing it. Boom. There we go. So I'm looking at right now on the page. If you go to worldvegantravel.com, hey, that's where we how it could be interactive. So you can go on it as well. Go to worldvegantravel.com. And right now I'm looking at some of your current trips. So do you want to talk a little bit about these experiences? Sure thing, sure thing. Well, our trips are definitely at the higher end of the spectrum of travel. We're certainly not backpacking trips. We're definitely more all-inclusive. You'll see throughout the website, you'll see see things like all-inclusive. So that means basically once you meet us in the country of destination, you, you really don't need your wallet at all. Everything is included. You, we don't even want you to have to worry about tips or Laundry tipping is often a big thing when it comes to going on certain trips, particularly safaris and um, working with local guides, for example. So we factor that into the cost. And of course, the food is top notch. I work with the hotels, restaurants, camps ahead of time for months often to make sure that the experience is really fun. And you can see, uh, if you can see the screen, we've got some really fun trips going on. We go to South Africa. We do safaris in Botswana. We 
we also do sort of a vegan version of your more sort of conventional European trip, you know, um, a trip to Tuscany, uh, sort of a, a trip around northern Italy. And my absolute favourite trip, I would say, is the Rwanda trip where you will get to see mountain gorillas in the wild. And, you know, it's it's not a cheap trip, but we stay at some of the best hotels in the world. And it's important to know that just seeing the gorillas is $1,500 because, and there's a big reason for that, which I won't get into unless um, you're interested, but uh, this this price, this $1,500 goes towards this incredible program of rangers and protecting these incredible animals animals, and also to the communities as well to, to keep them employed and uh, so they don't need to go into the national park and set snares for bushmeat, for example. So there's it's, it's a huge, big project and seeing mountain gorillas in the wild is something very, very special. Wow. And basically, do you... Does, do the trips switch up from year to year or do you try to do the same trips each year? Mm-hmm. Great question. So uh, I would say on average we offer a, the same trip between every one or two or three years. So if a trip is really interesting for you, then, you know, you you should try to get on it because we don't know when it will come back. And, you know, some destinations are more popular than others for sure. Interestingly, if you uh, were to scroll down, Sean, to the bottom, you can see our coming soon Mm -hmm. trips. You can see we have a trip to Japan there. This is very interesting. We have 300 people on that sign up to be notified list. A lot of people are interested in Japan. And we're also looking to sort of mix trips together. For example, we're looking to mix our Paris trip with our Northern Italy trip to going through Germany and Switzerland as well, sort of, you know, taking the best of, so to speak. So we really do have a lot of trips, new trips happening We haven't done a huge amount in research and development during the pandemic for obvious reasons. It's been very hard, but we're really hoping moving forward, we're going to be adding more and more trips. I should also say that each one of these trips has Seb and I on these trips as well. Of course, we employ the services of of, um, local guides and local suppliers, but we look after you. We do a pre-trip Q&A. We create customized trip notes for travelers beforehand. We have a Facebook group and WhatsApp group ahead of time to answer any questions. We'll jump on calls. It's a very much a wonderful experience for anyone, but perhaps particularly for people who haven't traveled much before and particularly solo travelers. So I'm looking at the Japan trip and I'm like, um, I see why there's 300 because I would definitely want to be on the waiting list mm-hmm. or mention list for this. So, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I'm actually going to do that. I'm going to put my name on the waiting list and get more information. So since we're on the page, you answered a lot of questions. And as you can see on the page, what you're looking at, if you're listening, it has a breakdown of what each trip entails. And yeah, so very thorough and exciting trips that you have coming up here. So congratulations on all the hard work. Thank you. So let's go on the podcast. Um, Tell us a little bit about your, um, the world vegan travel podcast. Sure thing. So as, as far as I know, there isn't a vegan travel podcast out there and I thought I would create it. So basically I speak with 
people I'm uh, on a number of different topics it could be how to travel it could be how to travel as a vegan it could just be looking at a particular destination through a vegan lens so we really do dig a little bit deeper into topics rather than just you know here is a great restaurant in this particular destination and here is one one you know, vegan cooking class in that destination. No, we we talk about it a much more than that. So, you know, for example, Kathleen's podcast, hers was a recent one. She's a resident of Oregon and she shared and talked about why you should visit Oregon, how it's incredible for nature lovers. And of course, you know, you're not going to see any sort of glorification of ranches that you can stay at or these this great non-vegan restaurant you know there's going to be none of that it's just it's just vegans talking about travel we also feature some um, vegan tour operators as well so if you look at season four episode 10 that was a really wonderful conversation from Sina he actually owns a vegan tour business in Iran and he talks about why you should consider putting Iran on your bucket list so who knew that there was someone in Iran creating vegan tours for vegans and the vegan curious as well and you can enjoy this incredible destination and be looked after by Sina and his team We want to hear from you. Visit our website to ask a question, leave a comment, or tell us how much you love the show. We'll play some of your messages during the episode, as well as directly to our guests. So be sure to leave your name and city and visit SoFloVegans.com slash podcast. That's awesome. Um, Definitely going to look more into this. And if you ever want someone to talk about South Florida, I'm your guy. (laughs) Sean, I was going to ask you when when we finished recording. (laughs) No, this is awesome. And your website looks lovely too, by the way. Thank you. Um, So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about just the general experience of traveling and you know, I'm going to be, I mentioned a little bit earlier, I may be off the podcast. I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, traveling for a project I'm working on, as well as, you know, representing South Florida and SoFlo vegans. So Europe, let's talk about Europe. Any tips for me? Let's just make it personal. Any tips for me going to Europe? I'm going to be going to the UK and Switzerland and a few other places. What would you say to me? Sure, sure. So, of course, I'm sure you and your listeners are well-versed in happy cows, so I really don't want to talk so much about that because I feel most people know just how good that is as a way to finding out what's around you. But they also have vegans' accommodations listed as well, which is really interesting for people. There's also a really interesting website as well that I often use called veggiehotels.com. And I, I believe it's it's German run, but it's a database of all of the vegan, vegan and vegetarian and very, very vegan friendly accommodations around the world, right from really small little bed and breakfasts to really big resorts and hotels. So this is a really great way to find a place to stay when you're traveling. So I really love this particular place, this website to find hotels. Another really interesting one is vegvisits.com. 
vegvisits.com. And vegvisits is a little bit like a vegan version of Airbnb. Maybe how Airbnb was a few years ago before it started, you know, becoming feeling more like a hotel in terms of the standard of everything. So, veg visits is a really great way that you can uh, stay often very cheaply in somebody's home, and you know, you could get all of the recommendations as well. Sorry, personal recommendations from the person that you're staying with. I've got two more tips that I can think of. Firstly, is using social media and just using the hashtag vegan plus the destination that you're going to to find certain restaurants or dishes in certain restaurants or vegan experience for example Valencia if you search the hashtag vegan Valencia you'll often find some really really fun stuff come up stuff that you might not have found out otherwise and my last tip is yes is to see if there are some alternatives to Happy Cow in the country that you're going to. So, for example, Happy Cow is, as far as I know, mostly in the English language and not everyone speaks English, for example. So there are often equivalents in the country that you're going to. For example, France has a really great website called Veggio Resto. And this they use Happy Cow too, but this one is I would say more widely used and more it, it has more listings on there than the same area would have in Happy Cow. And I think there's a number of reasons for that in terms of uh, the limits on the, the t- number of listings a non-vegan restaurant can have in a certain city, I believe. So Veggio Resto is a really great way and you don't need to speak French, French in order to access it the maps are really easy to understand. Everything is really easy. You can see how many stars a certain place has got. So that's really fun. And another really a bonus one is vegan food tours are really taking off in Europe. And I actually wrote a blog post about this and I did like a, a collection of all of the vegan food tours that I found in Europe and I searched high and low, I dig deep and I found some vegan food tours that are happening in really some very interesting places throughout Europe. And of course, if you're short on time, if you want to see a little bit of the history of a place, be guided by a local and try different vegan restaurants all in the space of about three hours then these are really good things to check out. And and along those lines, thank you for all those tips. I was like making little notes on the side here. (laughs) In terms of the language barrier, that's one of the things that I'm thinking about. And I know a lot of places, they have a lot of people, English speakers, but I don't want to just fall back on that. What would you suggest in that regards? Especially, you know, you want to make sure you're safe. You want to make sure that people aren't ripping you off and things of that nature what would you suggest? Okay, well, the absolute easiest and best thing to do, maybe not the cheapest thing to do, is to come on a vegan group tour because you will know that everything is vegan and you don't need to worry about that at all. But of course, I know that's not possible or practicable for everyone in every situation. So I have a few things that I do uh, to communicate because I know Sometimes ordering food can make us feel a little bit anxious and it can often make the server feel anxious as well. Like, you know, are they going to understand what vegan means? Am I going to have to send it back? You know, these these kinds of 
feelings often come up. So I do have some tips. They require varying amounts of effort. (laughs) So something I would consider doing, this is probably the most effort, is to get a few lessons before you leave in a country if learning languages is something that you like to do if you kind of like the idea of learning the basics and there's this really great platform called italki and you can find a teacher and you can just say to them like I just want to be able to communicate these phrases effectively can you correct my pronunciation those kinds of things Another really great thing is to use Google Translate. I think we have all used Google Translate in our lives, but I often think that people don't know um, all of the really great features that it actually has. For example, you can have some phrases that you have starred in your Google Translate. So, for example, can you thank the chef so much for accommodating me? This was so delicious. You can star that phrase and then you can read it. Mm. Sorry, you can star it so that you can access it easily. Then you can either read it if you can or use the audio to say it or just show it to them to read it. So having these sort of phrases set up ahead of time is helpful. Um, Another thing that you can also do is you can use... Google Translate to take a picture or to scan an ingredients list or to scan a menu and it will translate in like before your eyes it will show you what is the translation the English translation of what is on that menu and it can even deal with some kind of funky fonts as well I mean it's not perfect but it will often give you a little bit of a hand And then you can even speak into Google Translate as well. You can speak into Google Translate and it will translate what you said in transcribe what you said, I should say, and then translate it. And you can, there's even a conversation setting as well. So that's Google Translate. It's a really helpful thing. And another thing that you can do, and you can actually get this on our website as well, there is, you can just sign up for our travel tips and we have an editable PDF. So I've got like a a piece of a PDF with lots of um, potentially useful phrases for you. I've really dug deep into my brain to try to figure out what are all of the kinds of things that a vegan would want to ask in a restaurant situation. I've even included some zero waste things and some emergency information as well. You then just copy and paste the Google Translate into this document. You print it out. You keep it in your purse. You pull it out when you are getting ready to order and you just point. And we actually have some professionally translated vegan phrases vegan of these phrases translated and transcribed. We just put one on Arabic on our site the other day. We also have Japan, Kenya, Rwanda, if if you're ever going to Rwanda, France, Vietnamese, Thai, and I think there's a couple of others, but I can't remember. So if you go on and you search those languages in our website, you'll see that you'll you'll see a table and you can either just print that off or you can download for the PDF. So there's a few different options there. We don't want to leave you, uh, leave you struggling to communicate. I hope those help. No, definitely. And as you're talking and you're naming all these different places, 
something's coming into my mind. What's your one of your favorite places that you visited and why did you pick this place? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. I would say France continues to be a really favorite destination for me. I have a history, I guess you could say, with the country. And I often find this, the more I go to a country, the more fond of it I get and the more I want to go back. So I I studied French at university and then I went to France as an assistant. I worked in a school, so that was my first time living in France. And then a few years later, I led tours in France as well. And when we decided to leave Thailand, which was where I was living just as the pandemic, just before the pandemic hit, my partner and I, we were deciding where we would like to go and live. And it was a toss up between France and Canada that that was that was how close it was. And for a number of reasons, we chose Canada. But I really love France. I think the people are actually really, really lovely and kind and helpful. And while French cuisine isn't particularly vegan friendly, there are some really amazing options now. I should say there are some really interesting vegan restaurants in the big cities. And even you'll come across a, like a hidden gem in really obscure places as well. And of course, you know, you can always get pizza without cheese, but self-catering It's so easy these days in France, even in small towns, you'll find a huge range of fun vegan products to try as well and and cook at home if you're in an Airbnb or something like that. And the countryside of France is just so varied. I just absolutely love it. So I just keep going back to France. And I love that. And you talked, you started to talk a little bit about food. And I'm curious on almost similar type of question, what would be maybe three places? Oh, that's actually, it's not about the food. It's about just three places that you found in the world that from places you've traveled, of course, that are extremely vegan friendly. Okay. All right. It's got to be, Thailand has got to be up there as number one because, well, I, I know it very well. I lived there for 10 years and uh, that would also be in one of my favorite countries to visit to. Uh, so the reason why Thailand is very easy to travel uh, as a vegan is uh, eating vegan has been one of the one of the precepts, precepts of Thai Buddhism. Uh, so on certain times of the lunar uh, year there is like a the Thai vegetarian festival it's not like a veg fest like we might go to I'm sure southern Florida has a a veg fest but it's it's more like a, a religious thing where a lot of Thai Chinese Buddhists will abstain from eating animal products for 10 days and mm-hmm. as a result the idea of not eating animal products is very, very widely understood and also well-respected. People generally will say things like, wow, you eat this way? I could never do that, but respect to you because, you know, it's it's considered uh, to be a little bit challenging, but a good thing to do because, you know, it cleanses the body, it clears the mind, all of those kinds of things. So it's really easy to communicate. Thai food is naturally very easy to veganize. It's very easy to order a pad thai without egg and oyster sauce, for example. And 
vegan restaurants are just booming. I just found out yesterday the street that I lived on for seven years is now has two vegan restaurants in it. And this is a street in downtown in Bangkok. It's only about a thousand feet long, I would say. And now it has two vegan restaurants. So it's pretty awesome. And, you know, that kind of goes to the power of an increased presence, increased vegan presence. And how does that play a role, especially with the trips that you have in having, you know, you, I think you said Rwanda, you, go, you had like 60 people. How does that impact the places that you visit, whether it be a hotel or restaurant? What, what's been that impact for you? Sure, sure. So it's very interesting to run these trips because you get an opportunity to talk about veganizing a place. Now, I, I don't want to equate the work that we do with, you know, the work that people are doing, the incredible work people are doing to uh, save animals on the ground and, and this kind of thing. But it is very, very interesting to work with hotels, for example. So for example, when we ran our first trip in France in 2018, you know, we had to find a hotel in country Alsace during the Christmas festivals that not only would be prepared to host our group, but also be prepared to create dinners and breakfasts, like a breakfast, proper breakfast buffet. So we sort of shortlisted a few potential ones that looked really, really good. And, and we had a conversation with them. We said, look, we really want to stay at your hotel. It ticks all of our boxes. But are you prepared to really embark on a bit of a learning curve in terms of creating as good as an experience for our guests as you would create for your non-vegan guests? And I later found out that, you know, the manager of the hotel, she took a deep breath <laughs> and she was like, okay, we'll try. And they absolutely wrote the challenge. And I actually have a little YouTube video, which I can send you the link to if you're interested, uh, Sean, about what their experience was, was like after doing this. And, you know, of course, it really was a challenge for them, but they were lucky enough to have a fully vegan grocery store just half an hour from them. They spent a whole day there and they learned from the manager of this shop all of what these, you know, vegan products can do and how to use them because they'd never used vegan cheese, vegan fondue before or vegan deli slices, for example. And they basically recreated all of these Alsace specialties made vegan with these alternative vegan products. And, you know, French vegan products are really amazing. They're so proud with their food. There's no way that French vegans are going to release anything that isn't really good. So, you know, they have to go through this incredible learning curve. And then very often it sticks, you know, the the staff then are able to do our next trips or when a vegan comes to their restaurant with a non-vegan group, they can actually provide something that's not just a, a goat's cheese salad without the goat's cheese, for example. So it's it's really fun seeing them go through this process and asking for their reflections afterwards. And pretty much everyone says it's a really positive experience or or they're just being very kind. I don't know which one, but that's the feeling that I get. And I'm picking up a lot of nuggets and hopefully you were listening right now or watching this podcast, you're, you're making your notes and definitely, yes, I would love that link. We'll put it in our show notes on the resources. So as they're looking, they can get that. But um, 
the one of the as we start winding down the podcast, I do want to know a little bit more about you know ways to travel low waste. I know that's something that um, you've talked about in the past, um, especially as the environmental conversation becomes more prominent, especially within the vegan community. I'm sure people mm-hmm. out there listening would love those tidbits. Sure thing. I'd be happy to share. So, you know, we, we should address the, the elephant in the room. You know, travel, generally speaking, is, is not a particularly environmentally friendly thing to do. When we get onto planes, we are, we are putting a lot of emissions into the air, definitely. And of course, while it's a little bit controversial, offsetting is a way to combat that or to at least make us feel better. Uh, so, but, you know, from my perspective, travel is very, very important to do, especially in our society that is quite divided and we have our little echo chambers and we don't really get to see what's going on outside of that. And, and travel is a in my opinion, a really important way that we can do that. So definitely travel can also create a ton of waste, especially, especially if you're going to a country that doesn't have potable drinking water. That means that you can't drink it out of the tap. So uh, this can often mean, and I was doing this a lot as well until I got better and some technology was introduced that helped us to make better choices, you can end up using a lot of plastic water bottles. And they generally are recycled. Um, actually, that's overstating it. Some are recycled in Southeast Asia and other places, but generally a lot of them end up in the landfill. So there are a couple of really great things that you can do to prevent this from happening. The first thing is you can just buy little iodine water purification tablets and they do alter the taste of the water a little bit but you, if you just add one of these tiny little tablets into a liter of water um, a quart of water after half an hour your water is then clean and safe to drink so this is really great if you're hiking or you're trekking you know we've used use these when we've been hiking in the alps you know and we've just gone to a little stream uh, and use these little water purification tablets and there's also some really fun products out there life straw is like a filtration system that you can attach to a water bottle and then there's these two other products one is the lark bottle and the steri pen which use ultraviolet to clean the water so these are really good as well so i think water bottles are generally the most one specific to travel but of course you know you can continue to reduce waste like you do at home by carrying tote tote bags and little produce bags and straw and a little bamboo cutlery set all of these kinds of things you can easily pack away another thing that I really love to take when I'm traveling is my coffee to go mug that is helpful too and some little collapsible Tupperwares like little Tupperware containers they're not the sturdiest or the most rigid things but they're just really good to transport home any food leftovers that you have. They allow you to transport, you know, fruits and and vegetables and things like that if you're self-catering or you're going on picnics so that you don't need to use plastic bags. These are some of my favorite tips. And I actually have a blog post about this that I talk about this more in detail should you you want the link for that, Sean. (laughs) 
Yeah, I would say anything that you think um, that you would support our listeners, um, you can shoot me the link, send me the link, and I'll add it to the show notes um, sure so you can check it out. And um, yeah, as we wrap this wrap up the um, conversation, I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to talk about anything that maybe we didn't address that you think our listeners should know about. I'll give you this opportunity to uh, to address that. Sure, sure. Sean, you ask such great questions. I don't think I have anything else to add rather than, yeah, just consider a group tour, whether it's with us or with another company. There are some really great companies out there. Group travel is a really, really fun way to see the world. It's just worry-free, stress-free. You don't have to plan anything. It's just really wonderful. So I think that's all I have to say about that. Thank you, Sean. Not a problem. And um, where can people find more information about what you're what you're creating and how they get involved with the travel? Sure thing. If you search World Vegan Travel, uh, you'll find us on all of the social media platforms, our website, worldvegantravel.com, uh, the World Vegan Travel podcast, and all of the social media handles. So that's the best way. And then the very last thing we like to do on this podcast, and I'm beginning to think I should call it on the spot, but um, <laughs> I call it from the heart. And the idea is that, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the business, about your personal journey and kind of like more of the tangible items of kind of how people can enjoy their travel. But I want to leave the final moment for the episode. And this is, it would actually end when you're finished talking for you just to, you know, really just speak to what something that may be on your heart that in regards to this conversation and yeah, this, that's the only setup, you know, just something that you feel is just kind of on your heart that you want to relate to the community and um, mm. that'll be the end of the show. I think something that's really been on my mind for a really long time is how we're not really listening and understanding each other very well and how if we can really listen to others and even if we're never going to understand their point of view or agree with their point of view or come over to their side by listening if we have the emotional capacity to do that by listening it can really improve our um, and I speak from experience our own understanding of the complexity of the issue and where people are so for many many issues uh, something that I'm really working on hard a lot at the moment is you know really really listening when uh, someone is trying to share something important to them You've been listening to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. As you can see, our passion is to help people navigate the vegan lifestyle. Having on vegan experts from around the globe, Sean is the founder and, of course, the host of SoFlow Vegans, an organization created to help make South Florida a global hotspot for veganism. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at SoFlow Vegans. Find the show and more at SoFlowVegans.com slash podcast. And for questions or comments, send an email to contact at SoFlowVegans.com. Our food is grown, not born. See you next time.